Contours, a podcast of FEBC Korea in Los Angeles. Welcome to Contours. I'm your host, Amanda Lee. Two special guests joining us today are Ed Cannon and Dr. Doug Penoyer from FEBC US. Ed and Doug share their personal insights and compelling stories on one of life's greatest skills, the practice of gratitude. So Ed Cannon is chairman of the FEBC International Council and president of FEBC US. Dr. Doug Penoyer is board chairman of FEBC USA and special assistant to the provost of international partnerships at Biola University. Father, we're so grateful that we have this special time together. Thank you for your precious gift of your son to us. Thank you for everyone here who has gathered together to make this presentation so special and so meaningful. We dedicate it to you, for you are our God, and you are the one who has saved us. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen. So today we want to talk about the topic of gratitude and thankfulness. So first we want to start off with the question, um, what is gratitude? Well, obviously, gratitude is appreciating what you have and being thankful for the reason that you have it. Uh, so often we take for granted that gratitude or that the things that we have are a product of what we've done mm -hmm. or something that's related to our own standing. But, but actually, everything is given. Everything is a gift and appreciating the fact that the things that we have are given by God as a gift to us is, is really what I think gratitude is. I think so often in thinking of gratitude that we neglect relationships. We tend to visualize ourselves as where we are right now with everything we have, rather than remembering back to the past that we were once a baby, we had a family that surrounded us, we had relationships that guided us, we had teachers, we had mentors, and all of those things should embody within us a feeling of gratitude and thankfulness. So do you think that over the years in the U.S. that the way we have approached gratitude or what we think about gratitude has changed? Yeah, I actually do. And if you just think actually about the holiday of Thanksgiving and the way the U.S. celebrated, it's about a feast. It's about a turkey and things like pumpkin pie. And the original celebration was a gift between the uh, new settlers of the U.S. and the Native Americans. And it was a somewhat of a rumored, but there were sharing local foods that the Native Americans had with the Americans, and that custom has gone on. But what we have done is, I think we've evolved the word thanksgiving into, and gratitude into greed. It's about more than we can possibly eat. It's about indulging ourselves way beyond our normal limit. And it's, we've missed the point that we're thankful for what that we, we have, and we've gotten to the place where we want more. And unfortunately to me, that's what's happened with this whole festival now in America of Thanksgiving, where most secular Americans have completely forgotten what the meaning of the holiday really is, and that is to give thanks to God who provides these things for us. And we've gone to the place of saying, well, it's just a, a lavish feast where we eat way more than we need and watch football games on television, and, and we've missed the whole point of the holiday. Yeah, I think that's very true, Ed. I, th I think uh, a lot of holidays in America have become sports fests. You know, we, we have our turkey, we eat our dinner. We're watching TV as if it's scheduled. The most important thing in Thanksgiving is watching that game. And I think it takes a family that is really intentional about a sense of gratitude and thankfulness 
to be able to uh, go counterculture, to be able to do something different on Thanksgiving. And um, we've had a couple of family Thanksgivings where we've gone through the neighborhood and just knocked on doors and thanked people for, uh, for being a great neighbor. Yeah. And uh, you can just imagine the spirit of gratitude that evokes in them because, you know, gratitude always has a reaction. It is an emotional reaction to something nice that somebody does. So knocking on a door in the neighborhood on Thanksgiving and saying, what a great neighbor you've been. You know, when my dog got loose, you found it. <laughs> so that's that's what I like to think about Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be wonderful if America would go to a celebration like that? It would change everything mm -hmm. when people are actually engaging each other around the subject of thankfulness. I'm thankful to have you as a neighbor. I'm thankful we're friends. Right. And I'm thankful both of us have a home and enough food to keep us alive, which mm -hmm. is not by our own doing. That's it right. is simply a gift from God. Now, in case my family watches this, uh, I'm a football fan. So it's not that I'm going to skip the game, but I'm going to find ways to express gratitude. And at the end of the day, it's not really what we do. It's what we have in our heart on that day, That's right. isn't it? That's right. So. Okay. So you said that there's an emotional reaction when you give things to someone, even sending something as simple as a thank you card um, that's handwritten. Mm -hmm. Now people feel so special and... Um, feel really appreciated. And so there are a lot of other benefits like um, having stronger relationships, an increase of commitment levels, and even health benefits of having that um, grateful attitude and living with that attitude in your lifestyle. Have you found any benefits um, by having an attitude of gratitude? Well, I think uh, just like physicians have discovered that that laughter in some cases can be a medicine in, in the hospital or, or at home as, pa as patients learn to exhibit a sense of joy. Um, I think there is a benefit that comes. Uh, kind of a, you're, you're always thinking in your mind, okay, that person has done something really special for me. Now, could I do that for somebody else? And, and that's that kind of emotion, reaction, action. I, I think gratitude, to really be gratitude has to have an action attached to the emotion. You feel good about what somebody did for you. Now, how can I have create that same response in somebody? That joy, that happiness that comes when I do something nice or give them a gift that's that's well well placed. You know, as a kid, I remember hearing from my mother and my grandmother over and over and over. It's better to give than it is to receive. And as a kid, you just don't get that. Because you'd sit and think, wow, you know, yeah, but I want more turkey on Thanksgiving, and I want, and I want, and I want. And I think it's become a culture here in the United States to be like that. Mm -hmm. But when you really understand the meaning of that phrase, uh, it's better to give than receive. Because the feeling that you get by reaching out to someone else and doing something for them, it's not necessarily a material gift. But doing something which they obviously understand mm -hmm. is a gift from you to them. Giving, spending time with people, uh, speaking openly with them, demonstrating your own personal compassion toward a person. And when you experience what it feels like to do that, I learned at a much later stage in life, that is truly the meaning of grandma's phrase, it's better to give than receive. And you know, when we get gifts, ten, the tendency is we want more. But yet when we give to people like that and understand that that feeling that you get back from them of real gratitude and real 
linking as a relationship, like you mentioned mm -hmm. before, where they appreciate that. You understand that when you do that, then you want to get that more. It's the same way with materialism, except different. Yeah. When you give to people and they demonstrate this appreciation and concern, you build this bond, you want to do it more. I think you're right. I think um, that showing gratitude to a person in those ways, whether you're giving them giving it through words of affirmation mm. or giving them a hug or sending a gift or through action, those are all ways that we show love. And yeah. so I think yeah. it's it correlates and it's a way that we can really um, love those around us. Mm. So there are many people who go through difficult seasons of their life, um, especially during the holidays. Many people even spend it alone. But how do you find thankfulness in your difficult seasons? Well, this reminds me of a story. Uh, I was a poor college student, a missionary kid who had come back from the field and then uh, entered college in Portland, Oregon. And uh, the big gift that I remember that really took away my loneliness and gave me a great sense of gratitude was a $100 gift. Now, as I think of $100 bills, three times in my life I've had encounters with $100 bills. I lost a $100 bill, and that was a traumatic experience. I found a $100 bill in a SeaTac airport, and if that bill could tell a story, I imagine it would be quite the story. But when I received a $100 bill um, as a gift from a poor farmer family in Port Angeles, Washington, uh, when I was a freshman in college, I knew that that family was raising chickens, you know, they were baling hay, they were doing their best to be able to survive, and had very little cash, and out of that they sent me this $100 bill. And I was lonely at the time, you know, as a freshman you're always kind of lonely. Mm -hmm. And I remember opening up that letter, and of course nobody sends $100 bills in the mail today, but I remember opening up that letter and seeing that $100 bill and thinking, Oh, that farmer family, what a sacrifice. And it, it took away my loneliness, and I had this tremendous appreciation, of course, yeah. thanking God, yeah. uh, because it was really a God thing. And I've never forgotten that story. That's the, the $100 bill story for me was, was taking away my loneliness and giving me a sense of extreme gratitude and thankfulness to this, this poor farmer family and to God. So, Doug, you mentioned that unexpected wonderful gift yes. from that family. So they certainly use their gratitude muscle. And mm -hmm. when we don't use that muscle, much like when we don't use the muscles in our body, it atrophies. Mm -hmm. And so in this generation, we really have um, a narcissistic epidemic um, that includes entitlement and much higher expectations. Mm -hmm. And so this attitude of, I deserve this, how do we counteract that attitude of entitlement? Well, I think, first of all, it, it starts with a biblical attitude of stewardship, that we are stewards. God has given us everything. Things that come into our lives are, are gifts from his hand through people. We're not the owners. And if we start thinking about everything that we receive as possessions that we own, then we really downplay and miss the whole gratitude idea because we don't really own things that are our own from a biblical standpoint. These are gifts that God has given to us through people. We're merely the stewards of them. We possess them 
temporarily and and we they are to be used for the benefit of others and and i think keeping that biblical attitude in mind will help us go counterculture to a society that really looks upon possessions as theirs as an entitlement to things that that they quote own uh, it'll keep us away from that attitude if we adopt the stewardship attitude and the fact that Doug mentioned it's the biblical mindset about gratitude. And I think like many other things, we are not necessarily born uh, with gratitude as part of our disposition or personality. It's a learned reaction. Mm -hmm. And it's so very difficult, I believe, for people who have uh, so much to be grateful for anything more that it's about being intentional about gratitude. It's about a lesson that we learn from the Bible. So many verses in God's Word are about teaching us to be grateful for everything we've got. And so it's not something that we can just have as part of our being. It's not like breathing or your heart beating. It's something that we have to discipline ourselves to be grateful for. And so thinking about how much we have uh, and exposing ourselves to people that don't have anything or near as much are great ways to force ourselves to be more grateful. And of course, at the bottom of the day, the more time we spend in God's Word, the more you will read. We must be grateful in all things, in abundance and in the absence of abundance. Uh, Paul taught that. It's all through the Old Testament. Christ taught us this, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. So the more we spend time in God's Word, the more we'll understand that. And the more we try and apply that to our lives by being intentional about gratitude, even if we don't have anything or even if we have way too much. It's a discipline that we bring to ourselves. And as you say, you exercise that muscle. And what we find is in demonstrating gratitude and giving things to other people, we will learn from them that we get so much more by giving than we do when we expect to just get things and have them show up. You know, I think um, for me, it's similar to what you said. We appreciate things much more when we have far less. Because mm -hmm. when you have lots of things, people around you, a wealth of uh, festivities and food and sports, you don't appreciate anything in particular. One year when I was a new college student, and I had actually just become a Christian shortly before that, so that has a lot to do with it. But I spent Thanksgiving alone because I couldn't afford to go home for the mm -hmm. holiday. And instead of being involved in a big family party with lots of food and entertainment and all those sorts of things associated with it, I was all alone in the dorm room. And I had a turkey sandwich that day. And I was thankful that I had something connected to the holiday to be thankful. So some small link to what I was thankful for, even though I was alone. But it caused me to reflect greatly on the fact that we need to be thankful for even small things, mm -hmm. even any food even any friends, any relationship, anything. Um, and it, it felt to me much more like a holiday that allowed me to uh, think about the real meaning because it wasn't confused and sort of diluted with all these festivals which society puts on the holiday and gets you away from the point that this is a day when we need to dedicate ourselves to be thankful to God for everything we have. Even if it's not much, it's enough. We're alive, 
we're free to worship him in a nation that allows us to worship him that way and even if we're alone that day we know someone's out there that cares for us and loves us and we might be a long mm -hmm. way away from him but it causes us to reflect on the things that we need to be thankful for I think currently right now in social media there's a movement called 100 Days of Thankfulness. Mm -hmm. So people have been using this digital platform, various platforms, to share what they're thankful for, mm -hmm. for 100 days straight. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's an amazing exercise that we're having. And um, it really reminds us that those, you know, up till day 20, we have the big things, right? Like friends, family, church. Um, but once it nears 100, we really start to notice, like you said, the smaller things, the mm -hmm. things that we didn't mm -hmm. notice, but we can really point out and say thank you to God. So is this movement a way then that those who are not necessarily connected with someone on a holiday can be involved through a distance, through social media? It sounds like a wonderful idea. They could, but right now it's just a 100-day movement, but mm -hmm. I hope it becomes a 365-day <laughs> movement. <laughs> So what kinds of other valuable lessons of gratitude have you personally experienced or FEBC as U.S. as an organization have experienced? Well, for me personally, I think the opportunity to go to the countries where we serve has shown me how much that I need that I have to be grateful for. Um, on a most recent trip into the Middle East, we experienced how difficult it is for people there to worship God the way they choose to. Um, we went to a church service, uh, actually we went to numerous church services in this country, mm -hmm. and uh, starting by not being able to park your car within a mile of the church for fear that there might be a bomb in it, and walking that distance, and being searched by men with machine guns to make sure you're not carrying a weapon, and then being scanned in a metal detector to be sure you're not armed with a bomb and sniffed by a dog, and then inside the church being greeted by monuments that remember the 30 or 40 people killed several years before when a terrorist detonated a bomb. And in going through that experience, it really made me think about how grateful I am for often overlooked things like being able to go to a church and being greeted by friends and not having to worry about my safety and being able to openly express my love for God and His Son, Jesus Christ where so many other people have absolutely none of that in the countries they're, they're living in. So it's experiences like that that cause me to reflect on how much we have and how enormously grateful we ought to be for those things, as opposed to, I think so often we get stuck in the trap of, I want more, I want better music in my church, we need more comfortable pews in our church, we need nicer careers and better homes and better cars, and it's uh, it, it's a dilemma, I think, that we get into when we don't experience want and need and lesser things, which so much of the rest of the world does on a daily basis. I think for me, having grown up with FEBC, because I grew up in the Philippines when radio was, FEBC was just beginning, I have a profound sense of gratitude to FEBC. Growing up in the mountains with the uh, Mount Pinatubo Pygmy tribe, we used to string a, a radio attached to our hut to a coconut tree, a radio antenna. And um, at night when my parents were sleeping, I'd sneak the radio and turn it on shortwave FEBC and listen for an hour or two 
I had to be careful because getting batteries was just a problem uh, high up into the mountains because during rainy season the rivers would swell. So I was very careful not to use up all the family battery time. But I remember just laying there listening to FEBC and FEBC became like a friend to me. And now watching the growth of FEBC in the Philippines, their brand, their brand new facilities downtown in Makati, uh, it's, it's phenomenal to see that 60-year history take place and realize the range and, and the impact as uh, the Philippines broadcasts uh, you know, into all of Asia. Uh, it's just phenomenal to me, but I'm eternally grateful to FEBC. When I was in the seventh grade, I took uh, Back to the Bible <coughs> correspondence courses through, through DZAS in, in the Philippines. And for years, I kept those, you know, all the completed forms in a trunk because I was so proud that as a seventh grader, I'd finished Ephesians, Colossians, and uh, I'm very grateful to FEBC. So it's really a joy to be chairman of the USA board. Uh, it's an opportunity for me to give back too, because I'm grateful. I, I love listening to that story, Doug, and what it reminds me of is how grateful I am as the president here in the U.S. to have a board chairman in the United States who has the kind of experiences that allow him to be able to see the need and the value of our ministry in places like the Philippines. And I'll build on that just a little bit and say this organization, Far East Broadcasting Company, around the world is filled with people who not only have the kind of experiences that Dr. Pernoyer just shared with us in deep knowledge of the culture in which they serve. We have country leaders all over the world who hmm. understand their culture, who know the native language, who've grown up in these areas and yet have the kind of heart and passion for Jesus Christ to be able to do the kind of work that allow these broadcasts to go into places like the Philippines mm -hmm. where you were just talking about and allow people to have the experience of hearing that message and being grateful for it. And I could tell stories all day about what I've seen in my travels where people treasure these broadcasts that they get on the radio in all corners of the earth. People involved in deep, dark, uh, religious backgrounds which don't allow them to see the light, but yet mm -hmm. that radio to them is in many cases, and we've heard people use this phrase, this radio is the voice of God. Mm. And so I'm very, very grateful for Doug, for experience like he has to serve on a board here in the United States, and the hundreds of servants that we have around the world who have similar experiences and the same commitment and compassion for the people and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really encouraging. It truly is a privilege to work with people It is CBC. So we're going to close with the question of, what are you thankful for today? Well, I feel like I just gave a bit of a speech on what I'm thankful for today. Uh, it's thankful for these people in FEBC. Uh, it's thankful for the privilege, me personally, to serve. I'm thankful that we have technology that allows us to reach into these places mm -hmm. today that we would have never dreamed about, even when Dr. Bowman started the company some 70 years ago. The Internet. Uh, cell phone technology, the ability to get God's Word into the hands of people who don't have a chance to hear it any other way. I'm deeply, deeply grateful for that. And as I said before, I am deeply grateful that we have people in this organization who are willing and committed enough to live in very difficult circumstances without much resource of skill, training, or financial backing 
that are able to use these technologies today to deliver the gospel to people all around the world. Isn't it a privilege, Doug? Oh, it's a great privilege. I'm privileged to work for two great mission-centered organizations. I'm grateful to Biola University and Barry Corey, my president, and David Nystrom, my provost, um, for the ability to have this kind of time to, to work with FEBC and for the establishment of the, uh, the Bowman Center in Marshburn Hall at Biola, uh, where we can also do radio recordings. That's a great thing. I guess I'd have to say I'm really grateful to my wife, who for 46 years <laughs> has taken this poor little MK and really honed him into uh, the man of God uh, that she could, could envision when we were younger. And I'm grateful to my kids, Heather, who is a missionary in Romania, another daughter up in Seattle we just visited, another daughter down here, all married, and a son who works for Disney. I mean, our family really has a good time at Thanksgiving and holidays like that. So I'm grateful for family. Um, gives me a great sense of joy. You know, I guess at the end of the day, if you strip everything else away, we have to say that what we're the most grateful for is that God has sent his son into our lives. That's right. Such that when we get ready to face death and the, uh, the absence of life as we know it, that we can have great hope that we don't have to fear where we will spend eternity or that we will suffer through eternity. And uh, so we're grateful hmm. that despite anything we have on this earth, the most important thing is that we know where we will spend eternity. And our hope is that before this That's life right. ends for us, that the Far East Broadcasting Company and all the countries we broadcast can share that gift with the world. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Ed and Doug, for joining us on Light Shed Table Talk. Until next time.